Chapter 6. Town of Petropavlovsk. An hour later. Walking around Petropavlovsk in the rain, Chuck felt like he was in old Russia with nostalgia and romance, except everything was run down and decrepit. Potholes marred the paved streets and dreary apartment buildings lined the dirt alleys. He walked to the old seaport building, which was abandoned. It was a huge two-story cement structure. Half of the windows were broken out or missing. Long, wide mud puddles stretched across the dirt parking lot, which was empty. The front door was unlocked. He entered and found a dreary interior. Filth clung to every inch and weather had ruined most everything. The tiles were bulging up at the corners. Moisture had saturated the walls, creating ripples in the texture. Paint was peeling. Wood fixtures were rotting. Chuck's only interest was in the little man with the envelope standing in the lobby. He wore jeans and a sweater and had a full beard. Thanks for leaving the motorcycle in town, Chuck said. I didn't mean to. Chuck nodded. That was code talk to ver verify that this was his contact. Then you are Minsky. What can you tell me about Belkin's compound? Minsky handed Chuck a manila envelope. Two satellite photos. Belkin's compound is near the Valley of Geysers. You can take a look. Then I must return the photos to where I got them. Chuck almost gasped when he saw the photos. This was not just any compound. He read the notes on the attached slip of paper. What else can you tell me? Minsky shook his head in contempt. You cannot succeed. Go back where you came from. Chuck narrowed his eyes. I'll need a guide. Do you, do you have a name? The little man nodded and handed Chuck a slip of paper. I don't know anything about you, Minsky said. You can do what you want, but if I were you, I would leave this place and never look back. Where you're going, there is no return. I can tell I can tell by looking at you that you aren't going to take my advice. That's fine. I had to say it anyway, so that I've washed my hands of your blood. Minsky hurried past Chuck, but then Chuck grabbed his arm. What about the guide? Is he good? He is a broken man. He cannot help you. They destroyed him. They'll do far worse to you. If he's broken, why are you sending me to him? He's your only hope. Minsky pulled his arm away and hurried out. Chuck looked at the piece of paper. There was an address in the name of Vitaly Pavlov. Chuck walked slowly through the town, thinking of what Minsky had said. Chuck had already known the bad news, but something somehow hearing it from a stranger, a contact who knew the area, added gloom to the situation. He shut out the fear with contempt. He would not live by fear. He would not live just for himself. He was tired of living that way. He was tired of the emptiness. He picked up the pace and walked with energy. He reminded himself not to be distracted by the magnificent scenery. He would not allow any distraction to give an assassin a chance to gun him down. Still, the old feel of the town lowered his blood pressure. It seemed like every building in this town was 
a six-story apartment building that had seen better days, yet the mood was nostalgic. Modern city planners had not ruined this town yet. Because of all the low-rise buildings, the breathtaking views dominated the landscape of tree-covered hills and volcanoes. The air was cold, but the, and the people wore heavy jackets. Despite the awesome scenery, Chuck focused on the activity of the dirt sidewalks and the potholed streets. Green and white city buses rumbled past, but the air was fresh. Civilians walked the streets, but did, but so did soldiers. Chuck noticed the people without looking at them directly. He stopped in front of a Russian Orthodox church. He saw the domes and spires and crosses. He thought of all the lost sailors and moved on. The market teemed with kiosks selling flowers, clothes, shoes, flowers, vegetables, and other goods. But Chuck was not there for the sights. He was about to have a crucial meeting. If he failed, time would be lost. More sailors would surely pay with their lives for his failure. Chuck finally found Vitaly Pavlov's home on a lush green hillside on the edge of town. It looked like a lot of looked like a lot covered two acres, most of it with thick forest of trees and heavy undergrowth. Rich green bushes prospered here, and a machete would have been needed to take a walk on this lot. The foliage grew wildly out of control, forming a thick crowding mesh all around the little home. The deep green trees rose gloriously above the underbrush. Even the home was green. It was a square green cabin about the size of two garages. It had a steep green tin roof and thick patches of green weeds in front. The fence was old and leaning over to one side as it crept along the uneven hillside. The wood fence looked old and rickety, much like the decrepit shack just below the home. Chuck pushed open a squeaky gate and walked over a slightly muddy driveway. And he saw no tracks to indicate that any cars had come or gone from this home recently. There were no vehicles in the driveway, but smoke curling up out of the chimney told him someone just might be home. He knocked on the front door. After a minute, it squeaked open. Chuck found himself looking into the eyes of a beautiful girl wearing jeans and a pink sweatshirt. I'm looking for Vitaly Pavlov, Chuck said in English. Is he expecting you, she said in broken English. No, I was told that he was a guide who knew the land around the Valley of Geysers. She shook her head. He's not a guide anymore. That's all right. I still need to talk to him. It's very important. Wait here. She closed the door. He thought about how Vitaly would react to his showing up here. The girl returned and opened the door. Come in, she said. He's having a bad day. You can only talk to him for a, a few minutes. She led him to a small bedroom with nothing more than a bed. Vitaly lay there looking like a shadow of death. He peered at Chuck. He peered at Chuck through glossy eyes, covered with a clean white sheet. He barely moved, but his eyes followed Chuck closely. 
Thank you for seeing me, Chuck said. I won't take long. I, I need a guide to take me into the area of the Valley of Geysers. I need a reference. There are two such there are two such valleys, Vitelli said in a weak voice, coughing. <coughs> I want to go to the more remote valley to the northeast. Then you are a fool. I have my reasons. Do you know someone who could take me there? No. Why not? You know the area better than anyone. If anyone knows who could take me, it's you. I won't live much longer, Vitaly said, coughing. I don't want to die with your death on my conscience. I'm a professional. I know the risks, and I'm well-trained. There are a lot of well-trained dead men. Please leave me. Sir, I'm here to save lives. There are others whose lives depend on my success. Then they have no hope. Count them as dead because there's nothing you, <coughs> nothing you can do for them. Goodbye. I cannot leave here without a name. Lives depend on it. Please, sir. Vitaly's shaking hand pulled the sheet away from his left hand, revealing a gun that was pointed at Chuck. Get out of here now. <coughs> Amelia. He started coughing, but kept his eyes on Chuck. Amelia. Chuck nodded. He left the room. He didn't need... He didn't see the girl, Amelia, so he showed himself out. The, the hostages' lives were hanging by a thread, and he knew that each passing hour reduced their chance of survival. He knew that much, but he also knew that he'd just hit a blind alley.